Hello and welcome to this Nutmeg podcast, a version of the Scottish football magazine for your ears. I'm Daniel Gray and for this music special my guests are Chris Geddes, keyboardist with Bell and Sebastian, Douglas McIntyre of the Creeping Bent record label and Mogwai guitarist Stuart Braithwaite. This interview was recorded at September's Nutmeg Live event in Glasgow, so it isn't quite up to our usual surround sound cinema production values. It is, though, perfectly listenable and thoroughly entertaining. The Nutmeg Podcast is sponsored by Orion, Scotland's sports performance centre. It lands every fortnight. Please subscribe, leave a review, and give us some stars on the Apple Podcasts app. To us, they're as exciting as a full chocolate stick of Kit Kat. This is our 38th podcast. Please have a listen to what has gone before. We stand too on the elegant shoulders of our print offering. Do see nutmegmagazine.co.uk to find out more and enjoy some sample articles. Enough of that. Here's the podcast. First up, Stuart and then Chris told us about how and when they fell for football. Cue tape. I actually started my main interest in football quite late in life. My, My parents weren't that keen on me being a football supporter. So it was actually, I always, always liked international football and I'd always watch the Scotland games, but um, it was in the 90s and when we started the band and our drummer Martin, who's a lifelong Celtic supporter, took me along to a few games and I'm quite an obsessive person generally. And yeah, I got kind of, kind of went head first. As you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not originally from Scotland. Uh, my um, my family moved up to Dalry and Esher in the in the sort of mid '80s, uh, and I was sort of fortunate enough that the 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 club football team that I played for, the the guy who ran the team, was friends with Roy Aitken, who took us along to a Celtic game, a, a cup game against Queens Park in. 1985, and that was my first experience going to watch Celtic, and I've been a fan ever since. And the mighty Yakis. First time I went to see Hamilton was a cup tie in the League Cup. Uh, I think it was 1973, so I was still 10, and uh, unbelievably, it was against Montrose, and there were like, there was about 15,000 people there. I kind of thought I was tripping when I thought about that later in life, but the official attendance was like 10,000, and they actually, you know, they held the game up and they let everybody in. There's 4,000 people outside and they let them in, so they reckon it was about 15,000 people, but why the hell that would happen? It wasn't a semi-final. I don't know. They must have been letting people in for nothing or something. But, you know. Let's get straight to the important issues of the day, beginning with you, Douglas. What does football smell like? Football smells like, uh, I guess, you know, the, the old cliche about, uh, you know, Bovril and all that kind of stuff. I never, ever liked mince pies when I was a kid. And I never liked Bovril. And I kind of felt it was a rite of passage that I had to force that shit down my throat but that's a, that's a smell but I don't associate it with pleasure I have to say I only learned recently that Bovril Johnson was a real person that invented Bovril who lived in uh, near Edinburgh in, uh-huh. uh, in um, another Scotsman Lytton. another Scots great yeah yeah
Chris, what does football smell like? Well, I mean, I think when when I was when I was a student, I was I was doing work as a um, for a sort of temping agency, doing catering stuff. And one of the jobs they sent me on was working in the catering units at Celtic Park. Just when it got renovated in the 90s and Celtic were, were back there. So, I mean, I, I did spend a couple of seasons sort of putting the pies in, in the ovens and sort of taking them out. So, I mean, that, that, that definitely for me is the smell of, the smell of football. It's haunting. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, as soon as I could afford a season ticket, I never showed up for work again. <laughs> Stuart. I mean, I, I do, it's kind of profound actually because you're all right, the, the kind of, the, the smell of football in Scotland is fried food, which also may be why Scotland are shite at football. <laughs> it kind of, really, maybe if they were handing out a few salads and smoothies, then have some young, young people that could run a bit more, <laughs> jump a bit higher, kick a bit harder, but yeah, it's definitely uh, chips and pies and such, and smoking. In the toilets. Bucky. Buck. <laughs> in terms of the noise at a football match, is there a particular sound that you would ever think about sampling and using in a song? Well, we actually did. We did, um, we, 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 our first ever film soundtrack mm. was for Douglas Gordon and Philippe Perron's Zidane film, and, and we, we did sample the, the crowd because there's, there's a peculiar noise, I'm sure everyone. We'll recognise it when I describe it, but maybe haven't thought about it as obsessively as we kind of did. But because the, the stadiums generally, a big stadium, it, the sound travels quite um, at different speeds, so you'll hear different parts of the ground kind of sing at different points or shout at different points, and it kind of kind of swirls around in a weird kind of mess. <laughs> beautiful mess and yeah we, we tried to kind of incorporate that a bit when we did the Zidane soundtrack yeah the, uh, an absolute high point of your career I imagine uh, question then firstly for Chris which player would you like to provide a soundtrack to that's a, that's a really interesting question I mean I think I, I don't know I hope I don't feel like too much of a kind of glory hunter here but I'd say like currently probably Andrew Robertson, just because it's, I think it's really exciting to see a Scottish player kind of performing at the, the very top level of, of, the, of the game, and obviously it'd be nice for my kind of crappy bands to... <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, Sorry. so you'd go for a Bell and Sebastian kind of sound? Oh, well, maybe try and get a bit more power pop than normal <laughs> or something. <laughs> Please, will you pitch this to the band tomorrow? I yeah, think it's got course, to happen. Yeah, of course. This is where it all happened. Douglas. Uh, well, Hamilton recently have started, uh, you know, the team's come out to The Boys Are Back in Town by Thin Lizzy, which to me is just a classic. I think every team should come out mm -hmm. to that. It's just such a great record. But um, generally speaking, the, the music at football grounds is generally terrible. Mm. There was one exception to that. as a kind of friend of, I think, probably a lot of people in here, a guy called Richie Dempsey. And he actually was the person at Partick Thistle for a short-lived period till he got the sack, who played the records, uh, you know, at half-time. And uh, a kind of uh, a friend of a friend, a friend of mine, um, sadly no longer around, Jock Scott, was working with Richie on a project, and and Jock couldn't believe that Richie actually had this power 
where he was the DJ at a football ground. That just elevated him to kind of godlike genius in Jock's eyes. There are clubs now that do playlists and publish them on Twitter beforehand. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to get into the ground and listen to the worst sound systems on earth playing music. But are there, you, you mentioned uh, songs that you always hear at football grounds. It was always Freed From Desire, which mm. of course is a big Northern Ireland thing. Do any records come to mind with you that you're constantly hearing in football grounds? I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the sound systems at football matches... It's terrible, isn't it? It always seems to me that you can hear the bass more than any other instrument, and there's a sort of there's a certain type of sort of slightly country and western version of traditional Irish songs that they always play at, at Celtic, and you just start noticing the bass the bassline always goes doom 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 doom, and you would never notice it normally, but I'm always like, God, what's that fucking bass player doing? Yeah. So uh, yeah, they could probably turn the bass down a bit. Have any of you seen a player in the flesh, or who comes to mind that's cool enough to be in a band? Or tons of them. Yeah, I mean, at Celtic, Samaras would have been a great singer in any <laughs> band. They look brilliant. Yes, hair and all that. Yeah, it's total frontman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I always thought um, like Jimmy Johnson because I, I don't know. He just did a. He could sing as well, couldn't he? He, was, he, he yeah. did a country and western record. It's possibly one of the records that was played at Celtic Park. But <laughs> I mean, a terrible bass player. Yeah, I mean Jimmy Johnson. This is another thing that's quite strange about about Scottish football. The you know the village I grew up in is a tiny, tiny wee village called Glassford. And there's a kind these sort of pagan rituals in some of these wee villages where they have this thing called a gala day. It's quite bizarre. But at the gala day, I was uh, I was a wee guy. I was the page boy, so to give a speech and my my tights were nice and uh, comfortable. But Jimmy Johnson opened the gala day at Glassford, and I mean that was unbelievable. Mm. I mean, you know, they just won the European Cup a couple of years, and I mean everybody in Glassford was a Celtic supporter, but it wasn't traditionally. Celtic-minded, shall we say. But because, you know, you've got these players and the, the aura of Jimmy Johnson, it just felt like he was a rock star. He was amazing. A question to each of you, beginning with Chris. We have to talk about football records, greatest, worst thoughts mm -hmm. on what is, you know, the football record, has there ever been a good one? Um, I don't know if there, yeah, I don't know if there's been a, a genuine, a genuinely... Even world in motion. People say it's all right. Yeah, yeah, they do. Wrong room, I, wrong crowd. I, yeah, I don't, I don't. I As don't a Joy Division fan, it made me cry. I don't <laughs> care. Yeah, I don't care for it. There, there might be. I don't know. There's maybe like some Brazilian record with a bit of Pele involvement that's kind of passable, like Bossa Nova thing or something. But the, I, I mean, it's, it, I think it's a shame that it's kind of not a thing anymore. Mm. It, it was a good thing the way. 
through the 70s and 80s, football teams would have to sort of sing their way through like glam rock stomps <laughs> and yeah. then. And, and then obviously Hoddle, well, it's a bit, you know, Hoddle and Waddle had their like proper diamond shots. lights. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Cha yeah, I wish that was my first dance with my wife. Now that now yeah. you mentioned it. And then Ch Charles and Dave with Spurs as well. They, yeah. so you know, it was a, a golden era for football <laughs> records. And sadly, you don't really get that these days. No. With their, everyone's kind of, I don't know, too media managed, and people don't want to go on social media and have people say, no, you played terrible at the weekend and your record's awful <laughs> as well. I think I have a dream that actually has a, a certain charm to it and also kind of goes back to the era of insanity of Scotland thinking they were going to win the World Cup. So I think <laughs> it ticks a lot of boxes. Mm. I mean, Gaza teaming up with Lindisfarne is pretty special, isn't it? That's a magical moment, right? <laughs> For football and music. Yeah. Music records. Um, well, much as I dislike modern Chelsea, and uh, I think blue as the colour was quite a 1970s kind of pop smash. But I mean, probably I just liked everything that was on the it was in the charts at that time. So to me, it just felt like a pop record. So I quite like that one. But don't tell anyone. You're a big fan of footballs coming home, I imagine. I love it. Three three stripes or three lines, whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there's there's a. Someone in this room who uh, tours tours with Mogwai working with us went to see I can't even remember her name some English pop star and he was so she was playing we were playing this big festival and he was so excited about going to see her and then he was like oh, I'm going to go and see her so it's going to be brilliant and then we just faintly heard it and then we just see him running back like that was her going on music because it was during the World Cup <laughs> just couldn't deal with it couldn't deal with it. one second of it ran back to the dressing room raging. moment. Football has turned a bit into wrestling or boxing and each player has their own theme song as they run out of the tunnel. What would yours be? I'd be like Eye of the Tiger or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm imagining myself being a really good footballer rather than <laughs> a pathetic mess. I, I, would, I would run on to Green Onions, Booker T oh. and the MGs. Beautiful. I would probably bludgeon my way on to uh, the Faith Healer by the Sensational Alex Harvey Band. Oh, that's very good. You've thought about this before. <laughs> well, I had 30 seconds to think <laughs> of it. But you didn't get my lengthy briefing, that I said. No, I didn't get the debriefing, unfortunately. <laughs> I'd have been better prepared. Let's talk about the romance of football. What makes going to a match special? I suppose there's a habit part of it where it's, it's what you do on a Saturday and sometimes on a Wednesday night. Um, it's great. It's really great. I mean, you know, whatever. I, I could watch kids playing in the park, you know, f football. And I do. I watch my kid, my own kids play football. But I absolutely love it, you know. And it's I, and I think, you know, it's, it's quite exciting when you get the big teams, obviously. Uh, I take my kids to see Celtic in Europe. But it's much better watching rubbish football. You know, in small grounds, 
Hamilton Aki's have got a great song where it's, you know, they sing about only having two stands and a gazebo. <laughs> it's genius, you know. Chris, why do we bother? I think it's just that every match is completely unique. When the match kicks off, every single match is different. And, it, you know, obviously the players work really hard on, on tactical stuff, but everything just takes place in the moment and people have to just react to the situation as it is in in the moment. And so you, you never watch the same game twice. And it's just, it's just that, you know, you're gonna get a unique experience. One, one of the things that really draws me to football is, um, is the constants of it. There's so much unpredictability in life, in people's professional lives and their private lives and political lives, certainly at the moment. And I just love the fact that you're there on a Saturday watching a bunch of people wearing the same color shirts. And 100 years ago, there was a bunch of people doing the same thing. In 100 years time, they're gonna be there doing the same time and it'll be, our kids and grandkids, and years ago it was our granddads and grandfathers, and I just, I just love the fact it's this absolute constant, and it, it's very emotional, but the emotions pass, mm. so you almost kind of like, it's like watching a movie that's different every single week, but it's going to start again the next week, mm -hmm. and it's going to be starting again the next year, and you might have a crap year, but maybe the next year will be good. I just, I just love that cyclical nature of it all. It's very safe, and I know there are the odd idea that chucks a bottle or whatever, but it's very safe. It's going to, it's within a certain parameter, and, and it's enjoyable, and everyone's there for a positive reason, you know? Well, largely. But um, yeah, I, I love that. The, the world's fucking mental, and yeah, football is a bit of a refuge from that. Douglas, talk sexy to me. Talk to me about floodlights. Floodlights, I think floodlights are very sexy, actually. They've got a very Volume. strong aura. They figure and loom large in my psyche. Uh, I think because possibly that first game I went to with Hamilton versus Montrose, it was, it was a Wednesday night game, and I couldn't... You know, I'd never seen floodlights before. And the old Douglas Park was a, was a great wee old-school pitch. So just seeing the floodlights was a... Yeah, it was a big turn-on. Still is. <laughs> I mourn the loss of proper floodlights as teams move away from grounds it, towards... Yeah, it's a sh it before. is a shame that you don't, get the, you don't get the thing so much anymore where the players all have four shadows coming off them from the individual yeah. floodlights now that you, you get that. I mean, it's like a rave at Celtic now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we spent all the money on lights, yeah. not on players. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be bringing a fucking smoke machine next season. A strobe. Yeah. 
Davis Robinson, Hillbrand, and Ring in 55, they did the same. McCollum, Buffy, Haddock, Walter, Frilling, Clinton, Hannah, Cuddy, Robbie, Ring. We're coiled, going 58, did the very same thing. So shock your party, every team very moment we go to football for is the scoring of a goal. It's the most wonderful, wonderful 15, 30 seconds, the moment after it goes in. Will VAR, if it comes here, ruin that moment? Yeah, because it, it, seemed, it seems from, from seeing it in other tournaments and other leagues that it kind of delays the excitement and sometimes cancels it, like with the, with the Scottish women's team, which is, you know, and it seems... People didn't want it brought in because they thought it would stop arguments. And it just now just starts shitter arguments. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. And I mean, how can you despise a referee if like, it's not even their fault? Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say Bell and Sebastian could write a song about refereeing, but I'm just remembering a lyric to Another Sunny Day is, Another Sunny Day we pick 11 for football, isn't it? And it involves... The referee gives us fuck all. You've yeah. forgotten, haven't you? No, no, no. no I do. I, it just came back to me. Yeah. Do, when you hear that lyric, do you picture? Do you picture? Because I, I found that lyric really took me to a nice place. Uh, yeah, I mean, Stuart, Stuart and I used to play to, together quite quite a bit. We we were sort of in. We played in a sort of regular sort of seven aside game for a while in the old eleven aside game. I mean, I suppose, I suppose that's the thing, like you play your kind of seven-a-side game and there's no referee, and then you play your 11-a-side game and there is a referee, and that, <laughs> yeah, makes, yeah. that makes it special. So maybe, maybe VAR is just like the level above, isn't it? It's like the all-seeing referee. Maybe that'll make its way into a song. Not in, <laughs> not in that way, obviously. I don't, but <laughs> I don't know if VAR or VAR, what will VAR, VAR rhyme with, we can perhaps think about yeah. that. Douglas... I don't think there'll ever be VAR at Hamilton Ackies, but to be honest, you, you know, I think it's where would the conspiracy theories be go if we if we'd VAR? You know, you want you want to sort of think the referees against you because mm. they are. It may it may be a grander conspiracy though. You can sing all the glories of things you have seen of the saints of the dawns up in old Aberdeen. But in all this wide world, there's but one thing for me. It's the bold boys who wear the dark don't you like about football now? My own would be this new way of kicking the game off, which I just don't understand. I liked it when there was two players waiting to kick off together. I feel really that the man on his own is a bit sad up there and lonely. But worse than that is this weird thing with goal kicks of players now being allowed in the area for pointless short passing mm. when all good goal kicks should be throttled forward <laughs> 90 yards and go straight out for a throw-in. Yeah, I kind of... I would agree with that. You know, I think it's... Um, you know... I think that you, you do get certain things in the game, that, you know, even within the traditional rules, that are almost like bet noirs for for fans, like uh, anyone stealing, you know, yards at a throw-in <laughs> drives people off their head. You know, it's amazing. I think you, if you're a football player, you just deliberately do it, you know, to wind everybody up. The wonderful pettiness of yeah. football, yards, I know, I know. brilliant. Whereas you could scythe someone down, and it's like that's fair. <laughs> Chris, anything of annoyance to you? Oh, I don't. I don't know. Without wanting to get too sort of serious, I mean, I suppose it's just the the way that financial disparities between the the leagues have kind of 
the, yeah, the way the game's just like so distorted by money mm. these days, and you can't you can't resent the players who are at the top of the game like making loads of money because mm. like they're the people generating all all the income, and so they they deserve to. But the fact that now all the money kind of goes into the the bigger leagues, and so some a, a team a team like Celtic from a country the size of Scotland, you can't really ever see them winning the Champions League. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, I think I feel like a lot of the kind of romance of the game is gone because of that. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can echo that, and I'm sure there's a lot of people in this room who don't support Celtic thinking that that's fucking ridiculous since they have far more money than anyone else, and it's the same shit. Yeah, yeah, of course. But the money the teams get from Europe, which is the situation Celtic have got into, is kind of being replicated all over Europe. So there's only one, maybe two teams that can win a league, and that it's definitely not going to be as exciting as it was 20, 30 years ago. And it, 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 I've just come back from America, and what really blows my mind about America is they talk about socialism as this, like, the worst thing that could ever happen. But in their sport, they are socialists. The best players will go to the worst teams to stop the richest teams getting too good. And it just blows my mind that they mm. can't apply that to people getting operations for free and such the like. <laughs> Just a bit weird. Let's talk about the Scottish national team. Would it be improved by... <laughs> let's, let's have an Englishman tell you what you're going to talk about. <laughs> Young man. Um, would, would you get on better... If you had a different national anthem, and what should it be? <laughs> Just a, a, an ambient Mogwai oh, track. No, I don't think that that would help. <laughs> I tell you what would be a good one: anthem by the sensational Alex Harvey Band. <laughs> Scott Bagpipes. Brilliant. Stirring. Do you, do you think I'm sexy by Rod Stewart? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I think the problems run deeper than that. <laughs> There, there is actually a, there is a weird thing about Flower of Scotland, though, um, which I think is a good song. I like it. There's a note on it that can't be played on the bagpipes. <laughs> and it's, it's a pivotal note in the song. And it has a flattened... <laughs> I can hear it. There's a flattened seventh on the note. Um, what is it? What's the last line? Well, yes. That goes down a half step rather than a full. Uh, this is quite boring, but listen to it. It'll, it'll do your fucking head in once you notice it. Because it is pretty pathetic that the, the so-called national anthem can't be played with the national instrument. And I think maybe that kind of discord is why we've been absolutely pish for years. <laughs> <laughs>